0: We're listening to the Real Intelligence Podcast, presented by RXA, a leader in business intelligence and data science consulting services. We're here to bring attention to the unique stories, perspectives, challenges, and success that individuals in the data industry face at every career stage. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Intelligence Podcast. You're on today with Katia Sousis, SVP of Business Intelligence at RXA and Anna Schultz, Marketing Coordinator at RxA. Our guest today is Mary Kars, the Marketing Strategy and Planning Lead within HP's marketing organization. She is responsible for driving brand and initiative portfolio strategy for HP's commercial per- personal computer marketing. Mary is a seasoned, results-oriented marketer who has held senior positions at a variety of agencies and brands across the globe during her over 30-year career. Her experience covers both B2C and B2B marketing strategy, planning, and implementation.
1: Thanks very much for that introduction, Anna, and uh, welcome to everyone who's listening. So yeah, it's been a, it's a great pleasure to be um, talking with Katya, an um, old friend of mine who we've reconnected very recently, so good to see you, Katia, too. Congratulations on your new role. Um, and, and that's the beauty of having been around the marketing and advertising world for as long as I have, um, you get to keep on bumping into old friends and old faces that you haven't seen in a long time. Um, So I've been working in this industry since way back in in the 80s. Um, So I initially, when I first started out uh, in the the advertising world, um, I was working for a small agency and they were a branding agency. Uh, So a lot of what we did was, you know, big brand, big production um, about kind of really brand perceptions and storytelling. Um, And to be honest, there wasn't that much data associated with that. We did a lot of research, market research in those days, Um, but there wasn't a lot of data being captured around you know how the campaigns were actually working it was more around you know gut feel and and how well the agency could sell the idea into the client rather than any data substantiation so when I look back at the evolution of, of my career in marketing it's amazing how now it's kind of gone from that uh, initial situation to now where we sit today where you know data is everywhere you're drowning in it it's wonderful um, but we still have some of the same challenges you know how do we wade through the data cut through the noise and actually understand what's working what isn't and, and do that in a way that doesn't stifle creativity because at the end of the day we humans respond to emotion um, and I know some of the the challenges with data is people think that it's all kind of very formulaic, and the accountants are, are taking over the world. This isn't necessarily the case. Um, so lots of experience uh, around that, and and in fact one of the stories I I kind of I think mentioned uh, to Anna and Katia earlier on was in my one of my early days. I think it was at um, when I was at FCB Direct. Um, you know we went to their incredible data center yes there was a data center and this was been in the you know late 80s and it was based in paris and it was this incredible underground room that was probably the size of a large warehouse and it was all air conditioned and you had to be very careful about going into the room and all you could see was this bank of you know computers big computers at that time and it was like whirring um take Machines. I mean, I'm that old, so I've gone from paper, tape to now everything being available in the cloud, digitized, um, and, and at your fingertips. So it's um, it's been an interesting journey and a really fun journey. Uh, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, that's for sure. Um, so that's kind of really where I've come from from a career perspective but what was what's been interesting for me bearing in mind where i started uh, in terms of as i mentioned you know not really focusing that much on uh data in terms to, of substantiating what what we did the topic of data has become much more important to me over time and in, initially i'll admit i was very intimidated by data and you know the database jargon um that goes around it and particularly early on as I transitioned from brand into more of a direct marketing role where you know data was, was much more front and center of everything. I remember I, I'd be given these computer sheet readouts. It was on computer paper, which is a bit of an oxymoron when you think about it. How can computer have a paper? But anyway, it was printed paper and it would literally come in a big stack of books. And this was the results. And there was, it was like, oh my God, this is a different language. How do I interpret this? How can I read it? And it's all figures. And I wasn't very good at figures at school anyway. I didn't really like math or anything like that. So this was just like very overwhelming and very intimidating. But then I didn't let that intimidation stop me. I've always been a very curious person. So I started to kind of just ask myself, well, what are some of the questions I'd like to answer? And slowly but surely, I then began to realize that's all data is. Data is helping me answer the key questions I need to answer in order to do a good job. Um, And that's really kind of so I boiled it back down to what I felt comfortable with. Um, And I remember telling somebody uh, a few years later in in another agency when they were cast chastising me for coming up with all this data substantiation for what they should be doing and, and as I was doing a creative brief they turned around to me and, and said you know but Mary you know you're in you inhibit creativity and I said no I don't I use data like a like a copywriter uses words and I build my story around what the data is telling me I don't I don't get a, Bemused by the data, and I question continually question the data. so I'm not willing to accept the data till I'm really confident about it, you know its value and whether it really is telling me what I think it's telling me. Um, and, and in that way, I hope uh, because I'm still around, so I've been doing something right, I've been able to help bridge that gap between raw data and then interpreting that in a way that can drive success and help us in in the marketing and advertising world to understand as i say what is working what it isn't what isn't what should we fine tune you know the guidance on on where we should go to do a more efficient and effective job so that's that's kind of where i come from any uh, any questions Kadia?
2: Now you're definitely uniquely qualified to discuss the topic of women in data.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And one other thing, I've been around the world as well. So as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm, I'm originally from England, um, but I've lived in Singapore um, and around Southeast Asia for a time. I spent some time in Australia, um, moved to the States about 20 years ago, um, started in Dallas and then moved to, now I live just outside San Francisco. So um, global view as well, which has been really useful for me because i think spending time overseas not just in a vacational mode really helps you kind of understand a little bit more about culture and dynamics um and yeah perspective and trying to be empathetic about the dynamics that happen um in a marketplace can be very different um you know across the different parts of the world Definitely. definitely
0: Absolutely. And having those different perspectives is really important, just given that, you know, a lot of, you know, what happens in the data world is is influenced by the person that visualized it that is telling that story. So being able to have all those perspectives really allows you to tell a complete story. So I think that's really interesting. Um So kind of to start us off with a few of our questions, we like to kind of get to know Uh the real you. Um, So I have a few questions (laughs) (laughs) that we might not find the answer to in your professional bio um, and kind of in the the bio that you gave us earlier. Can you tell us an interesting fact about yourself that might not be on the internet?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most interesting facts that you know, I will admit to, but don't necessarily document, should we put it that way, um, is that when I was in my late 20s, I had a pretty, you know, good start with my career, um, working with a couple of agencies. But ever since I was a student, I loved travel. Um, And I was very fortunate when I was at college. My second year, I managed to get on an exchange program. So I Went to Australia um, and I spent some time working in Sydney and then went traveling afterwards. And that didn't scratch the itch. So, you know, in my late 20s, it was like, I still need to travel. I still haven't seen enough of the world. So, (laughs) in those days, it wasn't about tapping on a keyboard. I had to pick up a phone and ring around a few travel agents. But I gave myself a goal, which is what I tend to do when I'm going to do s- s- silly things. Um, if I could find around the world ticket for under a certain amount of money, I would buy it. And then I would face the consequences afterwards. Um, and five phone calls later, or roughly that time, I'd bought the ticket. I'd written my resignation letter. Handing my resignation letter in was, was one thing. Uh, trying to explain to my parents why I was throwing in a good job in London, just, you know, bought another, uh, a a new flat. So they were like, you're throwing your life away. Um, I knew I could prove them wrong. They were, they were convinced I would never find another decent job if I went traveling around the world. Um, I challenged them to that, continued along my, my path, had a fantastic year away, learnt so much about myself. And I did this all on my own. So I wasn't going with a group of friends or anything. This was just me. I just literally got on an aircraft and pointed west and kept on going west. Um, so spent a lot of time in the States, in Canada, in Hawaii, then back into Australia and then back round. And I did learn a lot, not just about myself, but about other people, other cultures, because uh, it's very... It's very interesting when you're traveling on your own. You have two options. You can literally hole up, you know, at night in wherever you're staying and just be this little, you know, uh, hermit, or you can go out and start meeting people. But the other thing is, as an as a lone traveler, people come to you. And I remember very distinctly, I was on a Greyhound bus um, and I just got talking to family behind me the next thing I know they're inviting me to their home for a barbecue um, and I ended up you know seeing them for a couple of days during my visit they introduced me to friends and and so it goes on Um, so I always say to anyone travel does broaden the mind and I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't gone traveling so much to my parents chagrin as I said Uh, when I came back and I I got back into a working mode even they later on did admit actually that was a really good thing you did Mary you know so (laughs) got my goal well it also helped me I think because I was getting in a little bit of a you know rut in my current in that current role Mm -hmm. and it gave me an opportunity to just break away completely you know, move right away from everything that I knew and really think hard as I was traveling and enjoying myself but thinking about well what do I really want to do what's going to make me happy um and when I got back it was yeah I really do enjoy what I do in in the marketing advertising space so I but I just want to do it with a slightly different spin on it and approach um so I was very open to new ideas. So when I came back, I got the opportunity to start up with a small startup agency. Um, and and that was fun as well. So I don't think I would have, well, I know I wouldn't have um, entertained that having come from a big successful agency to go to a startup, you know, at that stage was, was not necessarily um, the right move for me at that time. But with, with uh, the overseas travel, definitely, definitely helped me.
0: Oh, wonderful. That's that's a really cool story. Um, given all of your travels and everywhere you've been, if you could choose to just live anywhere in the world, not tied down by a job or anything like that, where would you choose? Honestly, to
1: Honestly, I'm exactly where I want to be. I spent, you know, when I came to San Francisco, uh, which is now where I live, just outside San Francisco, I fell in love with the city straight away um and that was uh, 30 years ago i guess now i'm still in love with the city despite all its problems um that you know are, are widely written about in the press it's to me it's the best place to be i have this wonderful combination of a, a great city vibrant community beautiful nature um so i although sometimes i would say oh yeah i'd love to be i i visited the maldives um, last year. It's like, oh, I'd love to go back to the Maldives oh, and wow. be sitting on a beach and, you know, being somewhere else <laughs> on an island. But I think long term, I, you know, I, I don't intend to move from here. So. That's awesome, Mary. You're definitely
2: a good storyteller. <laughs> and, story, and storytelling is a skill in, uh, in strategy and in data analytics. What skills do you think makes a good storyteller?
1: I think it's about listening to people to begin with, Hmm. because in order to get your story across, you need to resonate well with the person you're talking to. So having empathy for their situation and empathy for their point of view. Um, And I think that's part of the interesting thing that we do a lot of the time in strategy is we're providing guidance to people who may not necessarily think that they need our guidance, let's be honest. Um, And so helping to understand their situation and then to be able to clearly explain to them how the strategy does fit with what they're looking for and it's not necessarily set in stone. And I think that's the other thing is being able to illustrate how there's flexibility and modularity in everything that you do. You know, data, data can often seem to be black and white, but really it isn't. It's, it's, it's very gray. (laughs) Um, So that's, and I guess as well, I'm just, I, I come from a background. My father was a writer. um, And prior to that, my, my grandmother and grandfather were an opera singer and a lyricist. So I guess it's in my DNA a little bit. Um, But I would say, as I say, listen to people, absorb, take in, be open minded, come in with a point of view, but also park your ego at the door and be willing to listen to other people's point of view so you can weave that in uh, to, to what you're, you know, communicating as well.
2: Thank you. Very well said. And you have a long career.
1: Don't remind me, look at the the brain hairs, I mean, you
2: know (laughs) (laughs) Um, how about uh, young women who are just starting their career in data? What kind of career advice would you give? I think
1: this is a great time to be a woman in data. And and apologies to all male listeners to this podcast, (laughs) but I do feel that historically data um, has been the you know a very male dominated uh, world certainly it was in the in the 80s and 90s and the data geeks in on the male side are great uh, as are the women but I think there was a challenge in again the data interpretation and I feel as though The more I look now around me, where I am now at HP, um, at friends and colleagues in in other companies and agencies, there's so many women now in the data field, because I think we do do Mm -hmm. a really good job of being able to take raw data and bring it together, consolidate it and build that story so that we do resonate better with the people that we're trying to sell in a proposition or uh, explain um, you know, the, the, the last quarter's acti- activities. I think we, we are able to flow that much in, in, in many respects in a better way, because I think there is a female empathetic gene that is in, in our DNA. So sorry, I'm sure I'm going to get right. a lot of, of pushback and that <laughs> yeah, from my from our male friends. But I, the fact that so many females now are in that that data analyst uh, role, strategist role, I think says it all. But and and also for today, I mean, my goodness, if I was starting today with everything that's available to us, I mean, wow, what a plethora of information we have at our fingertips. Versus when I was starting and I'm going to sound really old now, but, you know, when you're trying to you're literally sitting with a calculator, working out things from from pieces of paper, it's very, very different. And the. The volume of information that you ever get, the type of information was extremely limited and what you were then able to do with it was extremely limited. I mean, when I think about my early days in direct marketing, it was direct mail. That was it. That was so it was all about how do you personalize? direct mail and it was like dear Mary Cass of you are one of you know mm-hmm. so it's very stilted and so the beauty now is that you can incorporate the intelligence of the data in a much more empathetic and relevant way in how you communicate that to your consumer as well
2: yep thank you and you've been in startups, you've been in agencies, you've been on the client side, so to say, a long career. Um, but within kind of the, the, the data marketing strategy, analytics realm of things, what is one topic or few topics that people always come to you with? Uh, looking for advice on or looking for, you know, questions?
1: I, uh, a lot of the time. It really is, you know, Mary, how can we substantiate the marketing investment we've made? How do we explain how our campaign has worked to stakeholders in the business and particularly in the business to business environment to sales teams Mm -hmm. who don't necessarily believe that marketing, they believe marketing is being a cost center, not part of the revenue generation and growth engine. That is the most often uh, asked question of me. And that's what I spend most of my waking hours trying to help um, articulate and work with our data science teams to help build models that are credible and trustworthy across the organization. So when we do say, yes, you know, marketing has, has contributed this amount of revenue to the business, we're not laughed out of court.
2: That's right. That's right. And even in one of your more recent
1: roles, you're responsible for
2: um, architecting the measurement framework, the attribution philosophy of um, account-based yeah. marketing, so you can prove its value. And this is, like you said, one of the more imposed, important
1: questions. Does my marketing efforts work? And I think a, and, it, and I think a lot of it comes back down to what we were just talking about, Is having honest and transparent conversations along the way. I think the danger is people get frightened about what the data seems to be showing them, and they try and gloss over if it's not looking as good. I don't think, I always say, you know, progress, not perfection. So we we can can continue to improve. We learn. We don't necessarily fail. And I think that's part of the culture that I've been very fortunate, you know, most recently with HP to be in, is it's about a culture of learning, that it's not about you succeed or you fail. And if you fail, there are, you know, bad implications. It's about we tried it. We learned a lot just don't repeat the stuff that doesn't work very well and double down on on what is working and find additional ways of amplifying and, and broadening uh, that success. Mm-hmm. But that's tough conversations mm-hmm. to have when you're sitting in front of, you know, the, is. the ELT, you know, the executive level branch of the organization who are kind of wanting to pick holes in everything you do because some of them want to cut the marketing budget, you know, so.
2: Yeah. And what are the most challenging aspects of
1: what makes answering this question difficult? Because Do my marketing efforts work? Because despite all of the data that we have, there isn't any one you know, way of pulling this together. And you might have all, yeah. a lot of data, but have you got the right data? have you got it constructed in the right right way to answer the questions you need to answer? And I think that's where the interesting thing comes in because there's always gaps in the data. You know, data's never perfect. And understanding what those gaps are and how they affect your ability to substantiate what you're doing and explain what you're doing is is absolutely critical. And then you can talk about, okay, how do we address and plug those gaps? collaboratively so it's not seen as a zem and us situation that's that's the way i always try and and look at things is we're all ultimately everyone's here for the same reason we want the business to be successful we want our clients to be successful we want them to be profitable and growing nobody's going in there going i want to sabotage their business but sometimes you know when you're in some of those meetings sometimes as a marketer you can feel as though you know that's the, the opinion that is being given. So start from from your early conversations with with explaining. You know, we don't know everything. We believe we've got some good guidance and, you know, we've built statistical models that seem to be proving out, you know, um and, and helping us to determine what is good and what is bad. But there isn't a a clear right answer. And I think that's the challenge because we all think because we've got so much data, we must be able to go, that's right. Double down on that. Um, not necessarily the case. Yeah. In my experience, even
2: setting the business objectives is very important. And that's sometimes challenging because we're not answering
1: to the, to the same question.
2: What are you trying to prove?
1: And it's also I think it's even there's right. a layer back there as well. What is the role that marketing can play and is ex- should be expected to play in within those business objectives, and I think that is also a really tough nut to crack and articulate. Particularly in you know we've seen it in the last few years. Everything changes so dramatically all the time. You know you can never be clear. I don't have the crystal ball. You know to, to forecast. <laughs> definitively of what's going to happen. So we've got to be willing to be flexible and to, to, to be able to be agile enough to move you know, with the market conditions, um, which is where data can also help us. But it's again, it's not going to be a crystal ball. That's right. And if, you, if it wasn't for data and marketing strategy, what would you do? Oh, what I'd love to do? was what I was doing yesterday evening. I, I, I'm i a big tennis player, oh. I'm a passionate tennis player. That's um, right. And uh, I still play. And last night I had the pleasure of playing with a guy named Julian Cash. Check his name. He's 103rd in the world at the moment in the men's ATP uh, oh. rankings. He's a Brit and he was visiting our club. And so I actually got a lesson from him along with two of my other girlfriends. And so if I could do anything, I would be involved in tennis in some way, shape or form. Would not be good enough to go on tour, that's for sure. But maybe, you know, be part of a, the membership um, committee of a, a club or even be the pro or something like that. But yeah, love, love the tennis world. Uh,
2: congrats on that. <laughs> well, talking about that, what
1: is one company perk that you would love to have? <laughs> gosh that's one company well actually you know what i think thanks to the pandemic i have that perk in that i have the ability now Mm -hmm. to work from home um pretty much all, all the time and i have to say i have to give a big shout out to hp they've been very good about managing the whole situation with, with COVID and, and, you know, the mental stress that that's put on people and the flexibility to be able to work from home and also help us to set up our home offices so we are able to work productively and professionally within a home environment. So I'm, I'm very happy.
2: I'm very happy to to find
1: you that way. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. I think you've offered some really great insights on people that are looking to get into this space, especially women that might be looking to get into this space. And it's just really interesting to hear all of kind of the transformation that's taken place within the data world and marketing, you know, throughout your career. And and it's just very interesting to hear all of that. So thank you again so much for taking the time to share that with us and with our audience today. Is there any final thoughts or words that you would like to leave with us? Sure. Listeners? Now,
1: firstly, thank you for inviting me. I've uh, really enjoyed our conversation this morning. Um, and I will just reiterate what I said, I think early on, is don't be intimidated by data. See data as a facilitator. Um, and again, build stories with your data. That's the way you'll get through Um, to who you need to get through to, whether that's your consumer, whether it's a stakeholder, whether it's a challenger of of marketing's value, it's there to help you, not to hinder you.
0: The Real Intelligence Podcast is presented by RxA, a leading data science consulting company. RxA provides project-based consulting, staff augmentation, and direct hire staffing services for data science, data engineering, and business intelligence to help our clients unlock the value in their data faster. Learn more by visiting our website at www.rxa.io or contacting our team at learn at rxa.io today.